Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to Secret Artists podcast. I'm your host Annie McGraw. And this week, I'm joined by the absolutely fantastic comedian, writer, performer, Ben Target. Ben is an incredible performer and one of the first people that I ever met when I started doing comedy. Um, So I had a lovely chat with him today and I really hope you enjoy listening. You can follow our artworks and things like that on social media at Secret Art Pod. But until then, enjoy the episode. Ben Tarje is an award-winning comedian and performance artist known for his surreal style and absurdist work, which explores hope, play and togetherness. Ben has written and performed for Comedy Central, BBC Three, Channel Four, BBC Radio Four and Absolute Radio. He won the Leicester Mercury Comedian of the Year in 2011 and got nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Award Best Newcomer in 2012. He has since gained a loyal following and is part of the cult collectives Weirdos Comedy and the Alternative Comedy Memorial Society. Ben is an excellent artist, and I'm delighted to be able to chat to him about all things art. Hello, Ben. Hello. Thank you for such a lovely introduction. Can you read that like every time every I read, morning? Read, yeah. Every time I wake yeah. up, you're just standing there reading it over me, uh, powering yeah. the hope for the day. To remind you of all the brilliant things you've done. Oh, well, um, that's very super kind. <laughs> So for today, you sent through loads of different ideas, all of which I loved as as activities that we could do. But can you explain the one that we've decided to work on? Well, we're going to make a collage or collage, Mm -hmm. as I should really call it. And it's going to be of a place, a physical place that was important to us growing up. And I've decided to choose my backyard in Houston, Texas, where I lived between the ages of 10 and 15. It was the place that I started, I think, to really love making art at school and also um, did a lot of reading in the garden, often climbing onto the garage roof or garage roof. Um, (laughs) I had no idea you lived in Texas. Yeah, well, my my folks moved around a lot, and believe it or not, they they sort of wanted me as a child to accompany them. So mm. I ended up. Uh, I was born in Singapore, uh, lived in Borneo for two years, wow. the Netherlands for ten, and latterly uh, Jakarta, uh, Indonesia, and Paris, France. So I, I sort of was carted around quite a bit. So well-traveled. So can you speak lots of different languages? 
Well, here's the thing. I'm 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 just extremely lazy. I think it's a real <laughs> skill of mine. I'm very quick to pick up languages, and when I was in these places, I did my best, uh, mm. and I spoke French really well at one point. Um, but being away from them, I just haven't I haven't kept it up at all, which is a real yeah. shame. Real shame. I mean, I considered Dutch my first language because I was two when I moved there. And uh, mm. went to Dutch school and had Dutch friends, and I remember dreaming in Dutch. And still, when the World wow. Cups on, will support the the Dutch football squad. Um, yeah. What about you? What's what's your place? What was your special childhood spot? Um, I'm not as well travelled as you, but I grew up in North London and then moved to Oxford. Um, went to university in Leeds, and I'm now back living in North London. So. I'm not an international, you know, wonder like you are. Um, although I do have an Irish passport because my mum is from Cork. So Oh, lovely. That's a, a good thing a to have now. <laughs> yeah. Have you got loads of different passports then? My dad's from Dundalk, which is mm -hmm. uh, close to the border of Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the process of getting my Irish passport. And most yeah, of my cousins are either Australian or Canadian. So strangely, I think I could try to get an Australian passport, perhaps. Maybe I should try and collect more. Yeah, you should. <laughs> if, well, if you were born in, did you say Singapore? Yeah. I'm, could you not I'm, get a passport? I'm not allowed to unless I do national service for two years. Uh, and I just, I'm not sure if I really <laughs> ever want to be in, the, in anyone's army. Um, I love the idea of you being in the army for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, me trotting around in 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 tiny camouflage shorts. Uh, <laughs> if you could have any passport, which one would you choose? Is there a country that you 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 want to go and visit, or would like to live oh, in? That's a great question. Um, well, I'm glad I've got my Irish one now for the purpose of Brexit. And I feel like that would be the easiest to go and live in, in terms of speaking the language and knowing family there. But I don't know, probably somewhere a bit more exciting. I love Iceland. I've been there. That was a beautiful place. But um, Lovely. what about you? Where would Ooh. you choose? I was really lucky to get to visit Sri Lanka mm. after my um, grandparents passed away. Uh, my family sort of went to visit places in India that they were really fond of. Um, mm. And I was just blown away by how beautiful it was. And yeah. very much was like, oh, I mean, this is unbelievably gorgeous. And Mexico as well. Mexico is stunning. So I got a bit confused. I thought we were choosing like lots of different places for the collage. But if we're choosing one place, I think I might go for the Cornish Sea and oh, do a lovely. collage my grandparents um lived there and so I spent most holidays in the summer you know collecting glass on the beach you know the smooth glass mm. and um not not just broken shards of bottles from not just, yeah, just slashing my wrists along the coast no smooth Goodness nice me. smooth glass um so yeah I think that's what I'm going to do my collage what what um Lovely. I'm have also you got gonna... colored paper 
Well, here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to put my collage on on the back of a postcard and I'd like to send it to you so you have like a snapshot of a place that was special I love to that me. Idea. And I'm going to do the same. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to get post. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an actual postcard. I've just cut a it's like slightly bigger than A5 piece of white paper. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm just going to put my collage on top of that. Ideal. Perfect. Um, um, and I haven't got colored paper, but I have gone and collected a bag of sort of beautiful bits and pieces, offcuts of things that I thought were interesting, like uh, cool. business cards of shops and mm. the corners of old drawings and some wrapping paper. So Oh nice. We'll see how we get along. Paper that I've painted on prior to this that's dried. So I'm gonna use like bits of pre-painted bits of paper. Lovely. Do you have a favorite color? Yeah, I think sort of phthalo blue, like that deep sort of petroly Prussian blue. What about you? Pink. (laughs) Pink. Oh well look, this is blue and pink. Yes. This well, is actually neon neon pink, so that's perfect. Yeah, I've my favorite color since I was uh, the smallest of uh, Bairns was pink. Um, I think I had a pink blanket on my bed when I was. I, I remember having it on my bed when I lived in Holland, and I would carry this blanket around with me, trailing it behind me, uh, as a sort of uh, object of comfort, and no doubt it had to oh. be washed frequently because it was sort of dragged through puddles and all the sorts of grim things children get up to and into (laughs) that's so nice were people ever judgmental because obviously when we were kids that if a boy liked the color pink that was seen as a bit you know not what we were supposed to be into but were people quite open to you being into pink um not particularly um i think yeah, very much for that reason, it was seen as effeminate and um, mm. people were der- derogatory about that. But I mm. I sort of just, uh, I, I, I saw it as a symbol of pride. <laughs> yeah. And then it sort of literally became pride as I, as I sort of grew up and learnt, learnt how to accept my, my sexuality. Um, yeah. I just thought I'd mention as well that I I got I ordered in a pot of copy decks. Do you remember this stuff? Oh yeah. And we used to have it in <laughs> primary school. It smells like if you lived with a fish and it didn't wash itself for a month. That's what yeah. it smells like. Yeah. Oh, I do. Like. I do live with a fish. So I... <laughs> Do you? Yeah. You have a pet fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's more of a flatmate, but um uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I thought um, I had lipstick, but I don't. So I've got this spray mount, which again I think is quite fumy or some super glue. Yeah, be careful with that stuff. I've got some masking tape to like maybe put things in place before I commit to the permanent glue. Lovely stuff. I th- I seem to remember getting quite high on that s- the fumes of that spray adhesive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pretty potent stuff. I'm doing the waves at the moment. For the sea, what are you doing? I'm trying to choose the background. So our house in Texas, my parents painted the door red, which mm-hmm. was pretty bright for such a conservative community. We grew up next to Rice University, so it was uh, this sort of um, 
quite quaint, uh, I guess, like American dream style, 50s straight line suburban streets and all the kids would sort of play uh, in the front yards together. There was a really mm -hmm. good community there. And I think that's part of what I miss is, yeah. is how open it was. Um, I've never quite found a place like that since. Yeah, where has been your favourite of all the places you've lived then? I think when I when I left Holland, I was I really really missed it because mm -hmm. I you know I, I felt I was Dutch. Um, yeah. But looking back now, I think I was probably you know I'm I'm still very taken by Texas as a place, and I'd like to go back. Um, just around the corner from my house in Texas was this gallery called the Menhill Gallery, which was this kind mm -hmm. of um, incredible hub of culture that was built, I think, just before the civil rights movement kicked off and yeah. became this place for um, progressive discussion in, in amongst the conservatism of Texas. And the, the founders of the gallery collected um, surrealist paintings and they had, they have, I think, the biggest collection outside of Belgium of René Magritte's work. Oh, wow. I'd, I'd often cycle over there with my brother and, mm -hmm. and go and look at Magritte's paintings. And he definitely was my first love um, of, of the artists. Yeah. So you, have you always been quite into art then and going to galleries and exhibitions? Yeah, I was hugely into art. It was the first thing that I, I remember loving. I used to, when it used to rain in Holland, I would sit on the staircase and draw. And I had a really difficult time at school. I didn't learn very easily. Um, I later found out I had what is now determined as special educational needs. And mm -hmm. I think um, art was the one thing I was good at. And when you find that thing that you're good at, you you, you just want to be consumed by it. And yeah, it it became it became my way of understanding myself, but also to a certain degree my salvation. It was where my confidence lay, mm. and it was all I ever wanted to do. You know, was become an artist. But how did you then get into? Um doing comedy I mean your comedy is very sort of like I would describe it as comedy meets performance art it's very creative and you take lots of risks and it's it, I wonder how you got in got from you know being the boy who draws on the stairs to <laughs> to getting up on stage and clowning I appreciate um your summary of it because that's the way I see it I see my I see myself as an artist working in comedy Mm. Like comedy is the palette, and uh, I sometimes describe myself as a performance artist with punchlines. Um, I think the reason I got into comedy was because my parents are, are conservative people, and they were concerned that if any one of us went into the arts, we would end up uh, miserable because of uh, how our society uh, values artists. Mm -hmm. um and they did their very best to stop me from studying it um threatening uh, when really? i was 17 told me that i would have to leave the house and not return 
So I think being a sort of coward back then and wanting to belong to a family, um, I went off and tried to do something that they wanted me to do. And I God, just... That must have been so hard. Did it, did it like appeal to a rebellious side in you to just prove them wrong or were you just keen to please them? I think, well, at, at the beginning, I was very keen to please them. So, you know, they... We bartered over my A-levels. I was allowed to study art as long as I did physics and chemistry. Um, mm. And it was the same when I was at university. They, my mum sort of took me to the library and wouldn't let me leave until I'd chosen a course that she approved of. And whilst I was there, she chose my modules. And I was just very unhappy. And yeah. after that, I tried to get jobs and things that they approved of as well. I used to work briefly in in the sort of Barbie, the Barbie, uh, like engineering department, building the machines that make Barbies. And I just... As in Barbie dolls? Yeah, Barbie dolls. Wow. And what, I it, just... Was that interesting? It, it was, and it was amazing. It was an amazing um, department to work for. Um, you know, the designs would come in from Hong Kong, where the design department was then. And we'd look at them and we'd basically figure out how to build them and then go off and build the machines and uh, then set up the production lines and then train the operators who actually assemble them, who are just extremely mm -hmm. skilled people. And it was an amazing experience because I was, I think for the first time, I suppose, like visibly and in the minority in amongst my work colleagues, I... I was working in Indonesia, so most of, I think I was one of, you know, three white Europeans in the whole mm -hmm. factory. And um, it's, 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 it's mostly women working in the factory and most of the people mm -hmm. are also, also um, Muslim. So everyone goes mm -hmm. and prays on Friday. And it was just a really extraordinary um I think moment in time for me, um, yeah. making these deep connections with with others, but also realizing that this corporate life was not for me, and I was desperate to find a way to get into the arts. Mm. So I think when I moved to London and I saw, I, I met old friends doing stand up. It seemed like the most accessible way to start making art because anybody, it seemed at the time could just get up on stage and express mm. themselves as long as uh, they were trying to be funny. And I think yeah. that's probably why I started. Out of interest, what jobs did your parents do or what do they do? My father's an engineer. My mother mm -hmm. trained as a, an archaeologist and she, oh, wow. I think she sort of, and she's, she sort of transitioned from doing that when I was very young to working as a science technician in schools, mm. um, in, in my school, actually, uh, the international school I went to. And I remember this one time I, <laughs> I was a 10, maybe 10 years old. And I, um, I went to the bathroom and I, I basically zipped up my trousers too quickly and I caught I caught part of myself in that zip, a very oh. painful part, and couldn't okay. like get the zip back down. 
um, was in floods of tears, also horrifyingly embarrassing, uh, and sort of slunk off to the nurse or whoever was on like, uh, you know, healthcare duty at the time. And it turned out to be my mother who, uh, bless her, sort of did her very best to get my, get me out of a very tricky situation. Is that the best outcome that it's your mum or was that more embarrassing that it was your mum? Um, I think it was probably more embarrassing because uh, <laughs> okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't quickly forget it, you know. Yeah, that's true. You're taking that home with you. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever have one of those days at school where things just went very wrong? Probably. I mean, I never got my penis caught in my zip, if that's what you mean. <laughs> that's exactly what I was asking. <laughs> Uh, so are they quite, um, have they sort of come to terms with the fact that you've managed to make a career as an artist or is it still a slight point of contention? Uh, and we're actually estranged. We are, <laughs> we are estranged. So we don't, we don't talk and I haven't seen them in, in some time. Um, I, I tried very hard and mm. I think they were, uh, they were very frustrated with me and, um, uh i just got to the point where i didn't feel it was it, it, we we were listening to each other or it was benefiting any of us to be around each other because it just resulted in conflict and mm-hmm. it made me sad for some time but in a strange way i've i've learned to make my peace with it um yeah i'm sorry that must be really difficult i think it's difficult on my siblings who have been thankfully really supportive but i think it's hard for them to i think it's hard for them to see this kind of um fallout i loved your um short film lot clown it's brilliant thank you so much i loved getting to make it with um stuart laws and al clayton they're just hands down my favorite people to collaborate with and yeah. we hadn't seen each other in some time. Mm. Um, and, you know, getting to work with them anyway is a delight, but especially mm. during this past year where I, I really have just been in my room kind of working mm. on my computer. Um, mm. So can you explain a bit about the film and what inspired you to make it? it I think it just came about quite organically my memory is they had a had a this title lock clown kind of mm-hmm. pretty stupid pun mm. but we were all talking about how the UK government released that advert Fatima should reach yeah. retrain in cyber that one yeah basically sort of uh, declaring that artists were uh, as far as i could tell useless and and a burden to society and therefore yeah. should uh, stop doing what they were doing and go and do something useful i uh, working in cyber spying on other nations uh, yeah. or probably more I mean, likely on, on be the reaction to that yeah i i think you've very much sort of made several generations of artists uh, want to not support you forever um, yeah. and I suppose for me, it just felt like the voice of my parents coming mm. down from an even higher level. And my first reaction was very much, fuck you. Um, yeah. But I think 
we didn't want to make a fuck you piece of art. We wanted to make a piece of art that was uh, warm-hearted, sincere, mm -hmm. despite the sort yeah. of fear that I often have in comedy of being sincere because yeah. uh, people don't think it's warranted or uh, mm -hmm. there's a sort of uh, maybe, a, you know, uh, it's, it's perhaps easier to be cynical and get a laugh. Mm -hmm. But um, I think really what we wanted to say was that we missed the audiences, which, you know, are the things I've certainly missed the most over the past year, uh, being yeah. wedded to live performance, because I just, I love it beyond anything else that I've discovered in life. Um, mm -hmm. I realized that, it, you know, that relationship that you have with the audience is sacred. And when it's not yeah. there... I, you know, life can be feel quite empty. And I wanted mm -hmm. to make a piece that showed uh, that both, both components are ne necessary for, for, yeah. for this, for togetherness. And I think that's what the piece yeah. hopefully shows. Definitely. It's beautifully shot and you're brilliant in it. And it's, you play the clown, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's really um, great. And there's links at the end, aren't there, about different, charities that people can donate to that are supporting creative industries like the film and tv charity and the royal theatrical fund yeah they've been great and next up uh have been very supportive as well of performers mm -hmm. and the live comedy association which was formed as a response to the pandemic yes it was yeah it was just such a delight to work with such a gifted team um mm -hmm and then make something that I hope, I think that we're all really proud of, but also I think yeah. will be something we look back at as a sort of a moment of fondness uh, mm. in amongst all this um, disarray. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The last time we, we sort of connected was over your brilliant exhibition, which you curated um, and organized. Yeah, so I'm so glad that that got to happen when it did. So we did that at the end of 2019, which, it, yeah, it went really well. And there were lots of people there and it felt like a, a joyous celebration of of art and comedy and then everything shut down so it was well timed but I loved the piece that you did for my exhibition that was a sort of quite an intricate pen and ink drawing wasn't it that I yeah. feel fine yes um yeah the story behind it is you know I I I 
when I first got into comedy and, and suddenly realized I, I, I had permission to make art and mm. found this, just this extraordinary uh, mode of expression and this, um, I, there's just no better feeling than being in a room and an audience loving what you're doing and laughing. And um, mm. I, I just, I became consumed by it and I worked so hard for so long whilst, you know, having full-time jobs running parallel. And I, mm. for various reasons, just, uh, I think, exhausted myself and had this experience in my late twenties of, um, burning out and having mm. a, a mental health crisis. And, um, at the time didn't really know where to get help from. And, um, that drawing was done in recovery. And, um, I think that it's interesting that I sort of rediscovered drawing. I keep rediscovering drawings at points that I really need to like during mm. this past year. Um, it's there as a salve. It's, uh, it's this, there's this, uh, beautiful continuity throughout my life. Um, yeah. Of being so able do to you find commute. drawing something you come to when you're feeling low, like as a sort of, therapy or is it something you're always doing but you just the sort of themes or the ideas change depending on how you're feeling i think it's something that's always sort of going on in the background but it's definitely mm. something i turn to when i'm feeling low it's a way to commune with the self a mm. way to sort of feel purposeful um in sadness and a way to you know to feel that i have permission to feel those emotions do you have you found art therapeutic or is it yeah is it, i have you found it therapeutic and it's uh, what do you end up making in in that space i found it really helpful this year definitely and it's changed really day by day what i've been doing whether it's you know working from photographs or way more abstract i've started off doing like abstract landscapes but increasingly just like enjoying the process of blurring a load of paint around on a bit of wood and seeing what marks I make and I found that quite it, it sort of lets you be a bit freer I think than if you're just doing a portrait where you sort of want it to look like the person or a landscape where you want it to look like the place it's yeah it can be much more freeing just choosing colors and deciding where to smudge them around to and <laughs> um, so it's completely led by feeling and not not um you don't have to sort of honor any technical parts i mean i probably should honor <laughs> some technical parts but yeah i think it is generally led by feeling i mean unless i'm working on a commission where someone has been quite specific about what they want from it if it's just something that i'm making for myself um I tend to be a bit looser, I think. Was that something that just sort of came, you know, like you sat down to paint one day and it just came out or were you, were you sort of looking at, I don't know, abstract expressionism or, or, you know, I don't know, ways of applying um, paint? Yeah, I think it's just practice and uh, enjoying like seeing how 
uh, different ways of applying paint look on different surfaces. Like I quite, I generally work on canvas, but sometimes it's nice to work on board or wood and you can do different things where you scrape with palette knives and you get, um, you know, much more deliberate um, marks and you have to be a bit bolder on surfaces like wood because there's no bounce <laughs> like there is with a canvas. But yeah, I don't know that I've necessarily been researching abstract artists or anything. I tend to just, as you say, work on feeling. But I don't think I just woke up and could paint. Like I was always, I loved making things when I was younger and I had an amazing art teacher at school and he taught me how to paint. And now it's just practice. I think it's like comedy. The more you gig, the better you get. And I think it's the same with art. The more you do it, the more you sort of understand it. Yeah, definitely. And and the sort of... Do you find that? Yeah, I find that like the more I do something... I guess the more naturally it comes to me and the more naturally something comes to you, maybe the, well, certainly the better I feel Mm -hmm. at doing it. And so I want to sort of stick with it. And also the less pressure there is on it to be good. I think if you're constantly gigging or constantly writing or painting, you sort of let go of that worry about failure and you just have to get on with it rather yeah. than panicking if people will like it. <laughs> yeah, because it's not like you just have one, one. it doesn't feel like you only have one shot, so the thing has to be perfect. Um, yeah. You can just kind of be in the moment of the making, and that's, that's, the, that's the real joy for me when, you, when you're just mm. completely, I don't know, I think in that flow state. Mm. Oh, it feels good. <laughs> What's your favourite medium in terms of fine art? Um, probably, probably pen and ink. I really mm. love um black and white drawings, and I love the sort of you know the the striking nature of of it, and mm. how simple marks built up can can um give give texture. Yeah. Um, and trying to find balance between the textures on the page. I like drawing mundane things as well, what I like to call gatherings, just sort of the people in front of me at that moment that may not yeah. merit a photograph, but making like the mundane beautiful, I yeah. think is feels special now, especially as, you know, I can't just, I don't know, go grab a sandwich or, <laughs> you know, uh, you can get draw a pint. A <laughs> Well, I think my collage is becoming like super abstract. I've 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 ended up putting loads of red stuff on because it reminds me of the front door that we had in Texas, oh, and good. then some sort of tree type things going on. Hmm. I'm trying to work on the waves. I'm trying to like layer up the waves, but I'm trying to do you know Matisse's like squiggly cutouts. Lovely. I read that he called his cutouts drawing with scissors which i quite like oh that's lovely have you ever seen his work i feel like i have because it's been (laughs) um replicated so many times but i i don't know if i've ever seen i've not been to an exhibition of his but i feel like his work is everywhere isn't it yeah 
I really didn't care for it for so long. I was like, mm. oh, I mean, what is this? It's just some like blocks of blocks of color on a page. And then I went yeah. to see, um, uh, I think, his retrospective at the Tate, and I stood in yeah. front of um, the snail and was just blown away. Mm. The size of it, the the poetic simplicity. It's just. Yeah. In fact, I tried to make a show partly inspired by that, that moment of feeling like I understood the entire universe when I just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that moment he when he invented a new medium, didn't he? Yeah. And, and um, I didn't realize that he sort of tried to keep it secret because he, he was like, he felt like he was onto something and was like, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm working with paper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you have you ever, you know, maybe disliked somebody's work and then gone to see it and been like, actually, I'm changing my mind. This is awesome. Um, I feel like I really struggle or used to, maybe I still I struggle with Rothko's paintings, mm. but they are actually impressive when you see them in person. But I just think I find the idea of them quite boring. Yeah. Like red, red on black. <laughs> red on maroon maroon on orange like <laughs> you just want to yell like have some fun man come on yes exactly. <laughs> crack open a can of yellow bud <laughs> yeah. the uh the rothko um chapel was near my house in houston texas oh really and, uh it's it's stunning i love it so much mm. I used to go sit there and just i think it's like a non-denominational space for tranquility and wonder and uh you kind of sit on these chairs in the middle facing outwards and mm. uh just stare at his paintings and um i remember um really being taken by it and not being able to explain why either you know as a mm. 12 or 13 year old being like you know the stuff that i was into was quite figurative i guess and um, maybe technically you know quite traditional and then this was, this felt like, you know, the first time you see 2001 A Space Odyssey, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know films could be made that way. They are very calming, aren't they, his paintings? So I can understand why you would go there to, as a sort of meditative experience. Has anyone ever asked you, um, if, if you could get away with it, what painting would you steal? <laughs> or what Ooh. bit of art would you steal? That's a great question. Um, a, a logistics not an issue in terms of size. Logistics and... no, no. You've got the you've got the best team. You've got okay, like Ocean's Eleven. You've got Ocean's uh, Eleven meets the Italian Job, Mark One <laughs> and Two. I think I'd like a Francis Bacon painting, maybe. Oh yeah. Uh, one of his sort of figurative, blurred, like quite mm. dark cryptics or something. And where would you hang it? Where would old Franny B hang in your house? Uh, bedroom, above the bed. Above the bed, like on the <laughs> ceiling. So you're looking up at it. No, I meant just above the like the, the actual head bit of the bed. But yeah, maybe on the ceiling. Do you think you'd ever? Do you think you'd ever have to explain it if you like had someone over and were like, yeah, you know, it's just a picture of my uncle. Oh yeah, it's Francis Bacon that story. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, maybe you'd have to have it somewhere subtle. That's the problem with stealing art, I find. 
is that you have to hide it, surely. You can't just have it. Like whenever a painting is discovered, like a stolen painting, it's always just in some attic somewhere. Mm. You can't show it off or people will, people will know. Did you see that documentary recently about the, 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 the thief and the artist? The artist who specifically went to interview the, uh, the person who stole her paintings. No, that it's sounds great. interesting. Take a look at that wonderful documentary. Yeah, what's it on? I went to see it in the cinema uh, during the breaks between lockdown volume one and six, or wherever we are now. Yeah, um, but it might be on Curzon. Oh, cool. So, what's it called? The Thief and the Artist, um, or the yeah. Thief and the Painter, or something. And it's yeah, I guess it's okay. about like an odd couple, a sort of an un- unusual friendship. Yeah. Yeah, the artist is the observer, the power of art to connect people, redemption, all those sorts mm. of things. Big hitting themes. Yeah, the big ones, the big ones scattered throughout the Bible and other I'm uh, now re- using... religious tomes. <laughs> <laughs> using superglue and nearly stuck myself to the postcard. Please I'd be careful. I was told superglue was invented for medics in the Korean War to kind of quickly glue people back together. Oh. I don't know why I well, dropped that in there, but it's... It's very powerful stuff. <laughs> I don't know what else to do apart from my sun and my sea, because I want to keep it quite minimal, but I'm worried it's a bit um, a bit I've, too minimal right now. I very much, I think, stepped into the realm of overkill. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Maybe I'll do a sort of bird, a seagull flying overhead. That sounds lovely. I also have a feeling that um, you're not necessarily going to want this piece. Um, Oh, I do, definitely. So by all means, ceremoniously burn it. I will not do that. If you could have been one artist in one particular moment, is there one that you've you've kind of thought like, oh, I want to be you. <laughs> I feel like artists are not don't have very enviable lifestyles often. Yeah. <laughs> Either they were like really unsuccessful in their lifetime and are now really successful but never got to live any of the glory, like Van Gogh, or uh, yeah. they were like drug addicts or alcoholics or paedophiles. Huge generalisation. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Starry Night. Banger. Really, my colours, the swirliness, feels like very magical, but also... Huge tune. It's a classic. You know what? I genuinely was going to pick the same one. I think oh, really? if, if there was ever a moment in, beauty, in human history where uh, a sort of moment of anguish, you know, uh, mental illness had been transformed into, into a piece of gorgeous escapism, it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, wow, what are the chances we choose the same one? Who knows? Gone back to spray glue from Superglue. <laughs> I love that you have a glue yeah. palette. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that I did, but turns out a lot of options for glue. And um, Do you own any art, Ben? Do I you own any? Like hanging on your walls? Or... Um, I really love photography. I bought a photograph of my friend Coco Jackson, she went out to Australia and took a lot of black and white photographs of 
crisscrossing train lines, which I which I really liked. Um, I have a photograph of Spike Milligan looking very anxious. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think the the sort of other bits of art I own. I, I guess I prefer the word guardian. Mm. Uh, my my friend Julia Vogel, who's an incredible um, artist, she's a social sculptor, um, often works with her audiences to generate data from which the artwork is then built from. Wow. We did an installation together for the uh, London Brain Project in mm. 2018, which is an am amazing organisation that um, pairs artists with people uh, living with a mental health condition or a personality disorder to sort of explore through art um, and science what yeah. yeah so I, I have um, I have a f I have a couple of her prints and a beautiful mm. book she made on protest and we, we we also exchange exchange work so I'm really grateful for that friendship um, yeah yeah who who whose work do you own? I guess everybody or or look after. Who is whose work are you the guardian of? Um, whose work am I the guardian of? I've got a couple of prints from my friend who is an art teacher. She's called Rosie Eden Brown. She does beautiful sort of floral abstract prints. I did some work or I do some work with a charity called Kersler Arts, which runs an award scheme for people who are inside prisons and young offender institutes and immigration centres. So they allow them to submit artworks and then they run an award scheme and do an exhibition of their work. Um, so I've got a print from one of those and a small sort of painting that was gifted to me by them, which is a, like a sort of sunset landscape, which is very beautiful. And... I've got a portrait of a footballer that I bought from a yes. guy called <laughs> Adamanji Alade, who's a really good portrait artist. But there's loads of people that I've seen on Instagram that I want to buy stuff from, but I keep having to sort of rein myself in, given yes. that I'm not really earning money. Instagram is yeah. art porn. Every time I go on it, I just end up screenshotting like 50 people's work, being like, oh my God, one day, one day, I'll have the money and I'll come yeah. and say hi. <laughs> mm. I love your Instagram page. There's you've got, you've made so much work. I'm so envious of your like oh, productivity and skill. No, I, but that's Instagram, I think. I'm envious of yours. I'm envious of everyone's. It's just Instagram <laughs> is a horrible place to feel it envy but i appreciate your kind words <laughs> instagram the, the 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 pit of envy and twitter the pit of rage yeah um, i actually find instagram like really peaceful because i think of it just as kind of um uh like an a sort of public sketchbook whereas twitter i think of as like uh, uh the school magazine gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's like everyone at the school sort of yelling two sentences at each other but no one listening um i'm yeah. i'm totally baffled by it. i'm totally lost on that website um but it's yeah. it's it's been very useful for sort of telling people about my work um mm -hmm. especially you know when you work as an independent artist with 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 a, a small budget it's a good place to tell people what's up definitely
Is there anything you're working on at the moment that you want to... Well, I would love for people to watch um, our beautiful film, Lock Clown. Yeah. I'm also working... Uh, I'm directing a theatre show, which is going to the Poplar Union in September, fingers crossed. Oh, amazing. Uh, by a great performer called Bryony Byrne. Um, it's mm. called Fangirl, and it's about um, women in football. And oh, I right honestly, street. like, when she asked me to work with her, it made my day. But I was also like, I know nothing about either of those experiences, uh, sort of. Women or football. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, the, the process has just been an utter delight. We've, we've met every week during lockdown through the medium of Zoom. And um, yeah. And just sort of diligently explored. It's just, it's just such a joy to collaborate with people. And I think it's sort of where I want to head with my art really is collaborative pieces. Um, mm -hmm. I was reading, I love the filmmaker Claire Dennis. She made a really great film recently called High Life with uh, Robert Pattinson. And um, mm -hmm. she talks about collaboration being the heart of the art. Um, and to find sort of good collaborators and to make yourself into a good collaborator, I think is a really, you know, purposeful thing to be doing. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, definitely check out Bryony's show when it comes to the Poplar Union. Yeah, it's going to be great. so You're much. Quite fun. well placed to direct it, even though you think you don't know anything about football or being a woman, but it's <laughs> probably quite useful. You know, you want audiences to be able to relate. Yes, totally. I um, that was the sort of point on which we agreed on. Like uh, my 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 deep ignorance uh, can somehow be useful because um, th you know the 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 job is not just making art; it's communicating something. And and yeah. if if I can understand, then hopefully uh, many many people will be able to. Oil or watercolour? Oil. Portrait or landscape? Landscape. Can you separate the art from the artist? I hope so, because there are a lot of naughty artists <laughs> and work that they've made that I like. Please stop being dickheads, guys. Yeah, that's a shout out to all the questionable artists in history. Yeah. Tortured artist or rational builder? Ooh, rational builder, please. Talk about or think about art? Uh, think about it. I'm happy to have my thoughts. And I like Look giving audiences space to have theirs. Very nice. Looking at a painting close up or far away? Far away. Private view or view of private? View of private. <laughs> we shouldn't painting be exclusive about art. Painting from life, landscape or still life? Uh, life. Definitely life. Preferably with the person talking to me. Mm. Art or tech? Art, 100%. Art or books? Mm, art. Art. Art or food? Can I have food art? Yeah, I love that. Have you got something in mind? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe some sort of like a landscape made of, of vegan sushi. <laughs> that I can just graze my oh, way through. And is what you do art? Yes, it is. It is funny art. 
That is what I'm trying to make. And finally, dicks or pussies? Oh my gosh. I will take pussies because <laughs> I would... Pussy cats. I'll take pussy cats. Um, as a bisexual, it's unfair to make me choose between, between oh, sorry. all of the flavours that I like. <laughs> <laughs> So, inspired by the red front door. Oh, I love yours. It's gorgeous. I love how big the sun is and how the sun rays are sort of like wonky fingers. It's uh, not you know, really like a Cornish seascape because there wouldn't be that much sun in Cornwall. But artistic life. The sun is. <laughs> it's gently stroking the waves into a into a sort of fever pitch. Um, what a saucy Correct. sun. The neon waves. Uh, I love the color of the waves. They're gorgeous. Um, this is mine. Um, oh, wow. That's so you've amazing. Got three trees, lots of autumn leaves, because we used to rake them up in the front yard. And um, lots of red, like the red doors, and, mm -hmm. and a lemon, uh, orange in the sky for the sun. Oh, it's an actual orange. Yeah. <laughs> Funny because I actually hate oranges, Ben. So that's the only oh, bit. Oh, wait, no, 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 it's I'll not real. Orange. I'll take it off. I'll take it off. <laughs> I love how vibrant it is. It's so detailed and so evocative. What a brilliant collage. What well, a brilliant guy. So what a brilliant artist. I love doing well, that. Likewise. Likewise. What a delightful man. Thank you so much for listening to that. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, why not leave us a nice little review and subscribe, download, blah, blah, blah. If you want to see mine and Ben's postcards from today's episode, then check out at Secret Art Pod on social media. Follow Ben on social media at Ben Tarje and remember to watch his beautiful short film Lock Clown, which is available on Turtle Canyon Comedy's YouTube channel. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, of course I am. Um, links are all in the description for that sort of thing. So have a lovely week and thank you again for joining us. Goodbye. Secret Artists is a Turtle Canyon comedy production for Acast. Music by Alistair Clayton, quickfire round music by Steve Dunn. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.